This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey, Donnie, how you doing? Oh. Hey, Chris, what's going on? Oh, you know, not much. Just a good early morning here in Portland and hanging out. So, um, thank you kindly for hopping on here. First of all, congratulations with the new venture. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, we always like to start off on TPQ20 by saying we know who you are, but our audience might be new to you. Um, mm-hmm. So, if you were to kind of give that bio that your your publicist yeah. doesn't have, or maybe the bio that you, your own publicist at this point, yeah. <laughs> doesn't give out normally, uh, who mm-hmm. are you? Uh, I'm Donnie Rose. I'm a native of Baton Rouge and almost two-year resident of Southern Maryland, PG County. I am a poet. I'm a teaching artist. I'm an advocacy journalist. I'm a husband. I have two cat children. Uh, I like pasta. Uh, I deal with with, with a couple of illnesses. Uh, I write what I feel. Let me backtrack. I tell things how they are and how they should be. Nice. Um, via via my writing and via my advocacy. So that's about it. Perfect. That's about it. That's a whole lot of it. So that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty hefty list. But uh, with that said, um, you were uh, you were an early one on the poetry question. Uh, Power of Poetry twenty five. Yeah, yeah. I think it was back in two thousand fifteen. Mm. Actually, actually, we're uh, we're about two weeks away from its uh, from its anniversary post. Okay, congrats uh, on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not congrats. On, I, I thought you meant poetry question. Okay, well, cool. Congrats on the post too. Well, uh, no, a poetry question's been around a while, but you were one of the first ones, uh, first ones to hop on there early on when we were yeah, starting yeah. out. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I always love I always love to come back around to talk to people years later. It's always fun to see where we're at. And you are at a very different place <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. these days. <laughs> absolutely. We'll start with the easy question. How do you like your pasta? Uh, Alfredo, primarily with, you know, shrimp, maybe chicken. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm uh, more of a uh, fettuccine fan. Ah, so, yeah. Yeah. Fettuccine Beautiful. person. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are your, like, the passions that you have that maybe find their way into your, you know, your literature at large these days? What are, you know, what are the the kind of odd passions that you might have that we don't know about that might filter their way in? I wouldn't necessarily say there are a lot of odd passions, per se. Um, over the last few years, or maybe just kind of as I've aged, I've become quite of a news junkie. So I just read a lot of information from various sources and then from there try to kind of make make my own sense of what's going on in the world around me um 
my my writing for years now has primarily been driven by you know social justice advocacy and the pursuit of black liberation and so there's not too much quirkiness that necessarily impacts i guess you know what i produce um i just like consume a hell of a lot of information on a regular basis it's <laughs> kind of strange do you have a few like when you go when you get up in the morning and you're ready to sit down and, and consume the news are mm -hmm. there some go-to's and some sites that you that you kind of go to for like a chuckle versus sites that you go to to like really read the news i mean i get both my chuckle and my information from twitter a lot <laughs> so like <laughs> because for me a lot of times it's a matter of okay here's things that are trending and then here's are people just kind of like ridiculous responses or maybe not so ridiculous responses to things that are, are trending in the world. But um, I've recently become a kind of fan of TikTok. Okay. Um, and when I say a fan, like I have an account, but I really spend a lot of time just scrolling other people's uh, content. Okay. And a lot of times I find things that humor me, right? Um, and a lot of times, you know, TikTok, the way the way it seems to be from an apparatus standpoint is that it sets itself up to not take itself so seriously. Right. So some things that I may consume from other news apps or maybe other social media apps, the intent is to get um, either quote unquote serious or, you know, relative real world content. But when I scroll TikTok, it's like, I tell my wife, I'm about to go on the TikTok channel. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like, like I'm clicking a remote, right? And it's like, is a bunch of bunch of shit that's amusing to me or whatever. So um, that that is how I've been taking the edge off as of late uh, with regard to consuming content and consuming information. Now, since your new venture, uh, jumping out on your own, is so yeah. new, yeah. what are what are your what are your goals with it? What do you want? What do you want you know readers to get out of your work? And, and what are you trying to just push out there? What what should we expect from uh, from Donny Rose two yeah, so what I'm doing right now is a blog called Observations in Blackness um, via the platform Substack. So for the past two and a half years, I was working for the North Star Media Group in the past year and some change of that, um, our website, North Star's website, and it still is, was um, formatted on Substack. And so Substack is relatively uh, writer friendly. It helps writers, you know, build audiences and you can you know, essentially gain revenue um, based on people subscribing to your platform. And so for me, a lot of the work that I did with the North Star was very specific to what's called liberation journalism. So it was very specific to, you know, issues of maybe social justice or police violence or mass incarceration, things that are like had a very narrow lens. Mm -hmm. What I want to do and what I'm hoping to do with my platform, what I did somewhat with the North Star is kind of expand this idea of writing about art and culture and also still writing about politics and, you know, revolutionary related things, but to do so in an unrestricted myriad of ways, right? So I recently sent um, a poem that I wrote to my subscribers. Uh, and then, you know, today I'm working on an editorial and tomorrow or later in the week it may be like a video piece or a prose piece or you know a photo essay or you know so i'm just like thinking of as many 
creative ways that I can, you know, send writings uh, relative to uh, black culture, black art, revolution, and politics. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge to, you know, kind of get up and be like, what am I going to put out via this platform right. that may be responding to certain conversations, but doing so in a very different way? Hmm. And how how are you then at filtering when it comes to you know the process of putting things together because there are so many you know genres within kind of your living these days what is <laughs> what is your process for filtering how do you know what's going where hmm. i think it really for me it's a matter of what requires a certain amount of brevity what can be said with less what needs to be said with more and just how may I, how might I best articulate whatever the point is, mm. right? And so I wrote a poem last week that I sent out to my subscribers that basically was talking about how it's hotter in urban areas than it is in suburban areas because most, you know, urban areas were structured uh, via redlining where there's no real green space, mm. right? And so, you know, it literally is a, a science that in, you know, in the hood, quote unquote, it's generally like a few degrees hotter than it is in spaces that have a lot of greenery. And so I could have like broke that down from an editorial standpoint. And I did do that once with the North Star, but I really wanted to write a poem that really spoke to the imagery of what it means to be in an area that is sweltering, right? And then, like, coming from Louisiana, we used to, uh, the news, the, the weather report would always refer to really hot days as oppressive heat. There's an oppressive <laughs> heat wave. And, like, there's a double entendre there, right? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I wanted to write a poem, which I wrote last week and sent out, that really kind of spoke to, like, the double entendre idea of oppressive heat and really got into the imagery of like, what does it look like in an impoverished setting where people are suffering through a historic heat wave? Again, I could have, you know, pulled, I could have wrote that article style, editorial style, pulled links and facts and whatnot, but that's not how the writing of that was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. So I wrote it, you know, in poem format. How do you think, I mean, is, how did you get to this point from your kind of foundations then in poetry? Yeah. To, how did you get to the point now where you uh, where you knew you were comfortable or at least mm -hmm. willing to take the jump yeah. um, this direction? Uh, lots of trial and error, lots of words on top of words, on top of words, <laughs> on top of words. And, you know, and, and, and teaching young people. Um, I think for me, Specifically, what happened? Uh, well, one of the one of the things that happened in 2016, the summer of 2016, my hometown Baton Rouge became like kind of a police state to a certain extent. Uh, uh, Alton Sterling was killed by the Baton Rouge police, and there was subsequent uh, protesting that happened after that. And then, like a week after Alton Sterling was killed, um, police officers in Baton Rouge were killed kind of as in retaliation by someone outside of our community to that. And then, you know, maybe two weeks after that, uh, we went to our, our organization, brought our young people to Brave New Voices 
and our young people were, you know, spitting these just heartfelt poems about what was going on. And then like a week after that, one of our BNV team members passed away suddenly. And then like a couple of weeks after that, uh, a great thousand year flood hit Baton Rouge. And so what was happening was in this kind of 30 to 45 day period of summer 2016, there were a lot of things that I was looking to articulate in a very literal sense, mm. where in that regard, poems or poetics were not going to necessarily do justice to what I was trying to put out, articulate to the world. And so I kind of started to function as like this bootleg report, right? People right. in my inbox trying to find out what's going on in the city. And I'm just kind of, you know, I'm using elements of like poetics, yes, to like sensory detail imagery, right? But really in a very literal sense, kind of chronicle what is going on right. in my community. And from there, people started to kind of gravitate to me as a prose writer or as someone that, you know, was able to articulate things that were relative to news from a kind of straightforward, but yet still, you know, figurative lens kind of perspective. Um, this is how, you know, when I, when I came across the job or the situation with the North Star, and I was looking at this the other day, I sent an email to Sean King back in 2018, like, you know, I see you're about to relaunch the North Star, I'm interested in writing. And he's like, hey, Donnie, I'm a fan of, I love your writing. And I'm like, the hell? Like, I didn't even know you, you know, you knew it, right? But a lot of that came from, you know, me posting stuff via social platforms or maybe responding to some things that he and other, you know, advocates were posting and really like writing nuanced perspective mm. about things that were impacting, you know, uh, our world, our culture, our nation, right? And so I was just kind of I guess, naturally orbiting in that direction while at the same time writing poems and participating in, you know, spoken word events. I stopped slamming around 2016, but, you know, just still being active as a poet, you know, and as a teaching artist. So these things, man, they just kind of bled, <laughs> just kind of bled <laughs> together. You know what I mean? It's been, a, and it turned into a very quick few years then for you. Yeah. 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 Well, you brought up something at the end there. Um, and I always ask this anytime I have a, a poet on here who I know from stage as well as page, I have to ask, and this mm -hmm. kind of brings in another element to it. Is there then a difference in your writing in your in your writing process when it comes to maybe stage poetry and news? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for one with respect to editorializing the news, because I do that more than like writing hard news. Um, there are elements of poetry that are not only allowed, but are also just kind of like good for editorializing the news. Like I said, primarily usage of imagery. I will slip in some alliteration every now and then just so that what people are reading has a certain musicality, a certain bounce mm -hmm. to it you know, as they're reading it. And sometimes that is the thing that keeps people engaged. Right. Um, but with respect to straight up on the page and straight up on the stage, I'll give you a good example. So in 2020, I debuted a project called The American Audit, um, which is a multimedia spoken word project 
that chronicles 400 years of Black American life with the extended metaphor of America being a business audited by Black Americans. And at the point that I was working on, first started working on it, it would be, it was at the 400th uh, year point of uh, enslaved Africans being brought to Jamestown, Virginia, right? So as I'm working on this and I'm like getting interviews from historians or scholars and whatnot to infuse in this multimedia project and I'm collecting imagery by way of photographs from all from everywhere, I'm intentionally writing for the stage, meaning mm-hmm. that I'm writing in a way to where it is not like it's 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 smart, but it's not layered to the point to where you need to be looking at it in front of you. You know what I mean? So you can hear what I'm saying, you can get the extended metaphor. There's the, the video interviews and, and the photography also all interweaved. So it's like doing a lot of the work along with the writing, but it's not written as you know dense as you know it may be on, on a page because. Mm-hmm. When someone is reading something on a page, they have the opportunity to sit with it, come back to it, you know, read it a few times. When we're experiencing a live performance in real time, what we have is what's in front of us at that point. You know what I mean? Possibly if it's recorded, somebody can go back and visit. But, you know, the reason why spoken word and slam often got a lot of flack from folks in academia was because there was this idea of like, well, this is such a simplified form of poetry. Well, actually not what was happening was people were trying to sell you and sell may not be the right word, but people were trying to give you, convey certain ideas in real time within the context of maybe three minutes or four minutes and then a live set, right? And so you may look at some of that work in its original format and it's, you know, rough draft format and it may have been way more layered than how you saw it on stage. Right. But by the time it got on stage, it was condensed and consolidated to make it palatable in the moment, mm-hmm. right? So as I was working on the work for the American Audit and also another project called Blood on the Bluff, which is kind of like the same uh, idea of multimedia spoken word project, I followed a similar bl- blueprint. Now that may not look the same as a manuscript that I may be working on. Because if I'm working on a manuscript, I understand that once that is published and out in the world, people have time to sit with that. You know what I mean? Sit with whatever you know nuances of language, or even it's just some things that you may be doing on the page, right? You know, some enjambment, you know, anything that you may be doing on the page that people can see when it's in front of them that they can't necessarily see when you're doing it in performed set. Right. So yeah, there's there's absolutely distinctions and, and variations, but you know, at the core, the idea is to try to write your ass off. You know what I mean? And and just like write good. You know what I mean? Um, one thing that that we've always, you know, as a teaching artist, I've always, you know, impressed upon young people I worked with, as well as my colleagues, that you know, it's like if you are writing, if you if you're selling the idea of imagery of showing, not telling. That is transferable across mediums. Yes. That works for essay, that works for prose, that works for news, that works for poetry, right? And so for me, I'm always striving to show and not tell. If I can't. I've taught for the last 20 years and 
I always, when I go to teach like essay writing and I, you know, my, you know, I bring in the idea that essays can be creative pieces. Mm -hmm. They can have creative language in it. While the essay topic is, you know, might be a, a serious of nature, you can still interlay those, you know, those poetic figurative pieces in there. And it's nice to hear, nice to hear somebody else say it for a change because it's it does work like that. Essays mm -hmm. don't have to be sterile. Exactly. Like, you know, you don't, don't go to read a, you know, I don't want to read a prose piece that I'm just reading. If I want to read academia, I want to read, you know, maybe hard set academia. But if I'm reading, mm -hmm. you know, an editorial piece or a news piece, I'd like there to be something filtered in there that does, you know, catch that rhythm, that does keep you, you know, keep you on your toes a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I also was, I also was watching what certain other poets that I knew were doing with respect to kind of writing between genres. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when it came to my editorial work early on, like, a great influence for me was, like, Hanif Abdurraqib. Right. Right. Um, I was reading a lot of stuff that Hanif was writing for different magazines and publications. I'm like, he is absolutely weaving poetics mm -hmm. into these like deep layered editorials and essays and it works, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it makes it interesting. And so like a lot of times, you know, we need to give ourselves permission to try certain things. And sometimes we don't get to that point of permission until we see other people doing what we may be looking to do in a manner that works. Well, and it's interesting because you kind of watch, I mean, like you and Hanif and Clint Smith. Right, absolutely. Um, you know, you guys all came up kind of in that same, that same onstage presence, but your poetry always, all of the, the poetry always had that, you know, that activism approach to it. You had to hear something in there. Like yeah. There was always a line that made you stop and go and read something else. Mm -hmm. And it's really like, I love, I love watching, you know, over this, let's say 15 year time span, like these, these poets kind of of that generation, um, you know, uh, like even Guante, you know, as he, well, or Kyle Tranmere now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all of you guys that have approached this kind of, okay, we're going to bend these genres now to yeah. make them work for us. Yeah. Um, and I like I like that a lot. And I think it gives a lot of credence to that idea that poetry has always told the news. Mm -hmm. No, for real. Um, it's it's really just inserted emotion mm -hmm. into the news. And like, but in even that idea of, you know, that being exclusive to poetry is not even necessarily just contingent upon poetry, because as I tell people now, uh, with respect to modern media, like you can get media from so many directions from various slants where people are inserting, you know, personality right. or inserting opinion or inserting nuance, right? And so, you know, some of this work with respect to weaving poetics in or weaving in prose and figurative languages also to keep up with the newsmakers of the day. Yeah. Because they're doing they're doing different things and they're trying and they're experimenting different ways to communicate the news to be, you know, more relative or to be more engaging. 
Yeah, I mean, talk about the TikTok, you know, TikTok for for news and chuckles. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, I mean, I think it, news media has to has to recognize the social media change over time. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my 11 year old doesn't want to sit down and watch CNN with me, mm-hmm. but they'll gladly scroll through TikTok and YouTube and know exactly what's going on in the world. Yeah. How, yeah. And social media, you know, in very in very many ways has influenced how the news report like my wife and I watch Good Morning America and like like one of the segments today was talking about Will Smith's second apology to uh Chris Rock which was basically him doing this apology on Instagram so they're reporting about his Instagram posts right you know what I mean uh and so yeah it, it changes you know the the varying aspects of media has changed the landscape of how traditional media approaches. And so if you are someone that is working within the realm of news media or however you call it, like you cannot ignore the the variety of influences. Um you can't you can't ignore you know nuance of language, the poetics of language or any of that. Um, if you're looking to actually have an audience that gives a shit about what you have to say. <laughs> right. Well as we kind of head toward you know, the finish line here who are the writers out there in, you know, maybe in a couple of different genres that you're reading through that you, uh, that are kind of keeping you going um, during, you know, during the days when you, when, you're, uh, when you have time to sit down and read. Um, and then to kind of close things off, where can we find your work? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm influenced by, you know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of different folks. Uh, I will say that one of my my favorite co- things to do with respect to like reading work is to read like from collections. Mm-hmm. So like within the last couple of years, like I got uh, like I'm looking at the 1619 project in front of me. I'm looking at you know 400 souls right uh, in front of me, and these are two bodies of work that consist of a multitude of writers, essayists, and poets. You know, so. You know, there's going to always be people in those collections that I recognize because, again, you know, some of these people um, I may have stood on stages with as poets at one point, you know what I mean? Um, and so there's that. Like, I, I I always get weird about naming names because then I like then I just kind of inherently forget somebody. Right, right. Um, but, you know, like, you know, I mentioned, you know, Hanif earlier, you know, you mentioned Clint. Clint is someone who who I definitely have uh, watched his progression. Um, it's, it's a bunch of folks or what have you. But, you know, for me, it, it comes from a variety of directions. Like I'm reading a, a book right now, a, a biography on the Notorious B.I.G. called It Was All a Dream. And like the guy who wrote it, I never really heard of before. I saw the book in... in, in um, I want to say mahogany bookstore and i was like this looks interesting and then i found out that that guy had been doing reporting for i want to say mtv for a while i'm like well maybe he knows what he's talking about as a music journalist so i'll read this right right um but yeah you know yeah i think that really for me um compilation pieces uh work well and you know it just kind of allows me to discover different writers you know that way as opposed to just being like there's this one person i mean you know some of some of the 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 great 
ancestors like you know Baldwin. You know, I I I I get in I get influenced by you know a lot of great writers of yesteryear right. that told you know specific truth um, that was not only relevant to the time in which they told it, but is also relevant now. So. Yeah, it comes from a lot of different directions. I'm sorry, that's not that wasn't. No, a, that's a fantastic answer. answer. I love, um, I love to get the answers that that truly mean something. I, you're right. Everybody forgets names. It's hard to do names. I like the idea that the collections to get you there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like I said, I get to name and people, and, and then like ten minutes, like we'll be off the call. Twenty minutes later, like, oh yeah, I should have mentioned. <laughs> and I'm not getting paid to endorse any of them people. <laughs> so, so it is what it is. Um, but as far as where can we find you? Okay, so right now, um, there's a couple of places. Uh, primarily, I'm on Substack. My Substack platform is called Observations in Blackness. Observeblack.substack.com. Um, my website is DonnieRose.info, which is D-O-N-N-E-U-I-Rose.info. Um, as far as social media, I'm on all the platforms. I guess I'm the most prominent on Instagram and by prominent maybe because that's where I have the most followers uh, <laughs> but yeah um, as long as you type in Donnie with the EY you can find me and you know on various you know, various platforms but yeah right now I'm really really directing people to uh, my Substack because what is happening with that is all of the random musings that I had been doing in the past I'm now centralizing them, you know what I mean? Beautiful. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I plan to write with all my heart and soul uh, with everything that comes up and try to keep things as fresh and, and, and nuanced and just like dope as I possibly can. So that's where I'm at. Beautiful. I think that's a great way to wrap things up, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today on TPQ20. Uh, I always enjoy your work. So I look forward to reading, uh, reading what comes next from you. Uh, and look forward to pushing people your direction. So have a great rest of the day. All right. Thank you, man. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.